This is VLX number 52, a short review of the two methods of prayer. Hello, my name is Father David Nix. I'm a diocesan hermit in the Archdiocese of Denver. I have a YouTube channel and podcast with three parts. One is theology and current events. It's more of the controversial topics of the day with a theology applied. And then the more educational, less controversial two parts is VLX. VLX stands for Video Lexu Divina, which you are watching right now. And CPX stands for Catechism of Pope St. Pius X. X is Roman numerals for 10th. We're up to about 50 in CPX. We're up to about 50 in VLX. We have some new subscribers with us, but I just encourage everyone who has been on this to also listen to what I have to say about the two different methods of prayer. Now, the two methods of prayer that we have is St. Bruno, known as the apophatic, also known as the way of study. And then on the other side of the coin, we have the imaginative way of prayer, also known as the cataphatic, which you frequently hear me say is the way of St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Teresa of Avila. I'm going to describe those in a minute, but for the people who've been with us from the start, here's what I'm going to start calling those. I'm just going to call it the study way of prayer and the imaginative way of prayer. Because me getting into saying, you know, the St. Bruno, you know, the apophatic, you know, the non-imaginative study way of prayer, that's getting way too long for all of you who've been with us from the start. And for me to say, the imaginative way of prayer, you know, the one of St. Teresa of Avila and St. Ignatius of Loyola, where you use all your five senses, I'm repeating myself way too much. And as we just kind of pick up new subscribers as we go, I think it's easier for them, especially if they don't stick with us for the whole time, to just to hear study way of prayer and imaginative way of prayer. But because those who've been with us from the start might be taking either too many of their own mental diversions or even ones that I accidentally leave in here, today let's just look back at how the saints say in these two methods of prayer we should really do it. If you're new to this series, you're fine just listening to this and kind of jumping in, I think. We're in Matthew chapter 9 once we get to VLX 53, but you may want to go back to VLX number 2. Okay, let's look at the two methods of prayer. Uh, the first method of prayer that we're going to look at today is called the apophatic way. This is knowledge of God obtained through negation. This is the way of St. Bruno. From now on, I'm just going to call it the study way of prayer because in this way of prayer, you look at a chapter of the gospel, shave it down to half a chapter of the gospel, shave it down to a sentence, and then maybe you just shave it down to like two words and you think of these two words for the 15 minutes as you commit to prayer. But then the neat thing is you can kind of think of these two words and whatever you got from that for the rest of the day. And this is the way of prayer that was done by St. Bruno. I think St. John of the Cross did. It's a very sober way of prayer um, that is not, neither better nor worse than the imaginative way of prayer that we're going to look at. Okay, apophatic way of prayer. There's five steps in this. Number one is lexio, careful study. Number two is meditatio, which is hidden treasure. Number three is oratio, drive away the evil and keep good. Number four is contemplatio, the look of love. And operatio, number five, is what to do. So just a couple really brief notes on those. One, lexio, careful study. Notice that the first step in this method of prayer is study. And this is why we look at what the church fathers have to say about this so that this can become our launching point to our union with God. Remember, theology is not secondary to our union with God. It's integrated to our union with God. So we can't have union with God without truth and charity. If you have truth without charity, you're not united to God. If you have charity without truth, you're not united to God. So careful study is, is an important part of this. Number two is meditatio, hidden treasure. What that means is um, don't be afraid to just pick one 
section, one sentence of the gospel that you're looking at and realize every word inspired by God is already a treasure. Okay, number three is oratio, drive away the evil and keep good. That means push away distractions and focus on the treasure of those two or three words in the gospel that you're looking at. Perhaps part of what we have to drive away is our temptation as Americans to just consume the whole chapter. No, don't be afraid to just chew on the cud of two, three, four words of that single sentence, of that single chapter, of that single gospel that you're looking at. Okay, number four is contemplatio, look of love. This is when God starts to infuse you with what's called infused contemplation. We can't give this to ourselves, but it doesn't come just by squinting hard at your Bible or just, you know, um, thinking that if you think this way or feel yourself really spiritual in the VLX series, it's going to happen. It really is a gift from God. And here's the number one way to tell God you want to become a contemplative is by giving the time in meditation. See, we can give ourselves meditation, but we can't give ourselves contemplation. We can commit to meditation, but we can't commit to contemplation. Why not? Because contemplation is purely a gift from God. However, if you read the lives of the saints, he is most generous in giving contemplation when we not only make time occasionally for meditation, but are consistent in meditation. So pick if it's gonna be five minutes of meditation a day, 10 minutes of meditation a day, 15 minutes of meditation a day, or 30 or an hour if you're a priest. And finally, we have number five, which is operatio. That is what to do. That's kind of like having a resolution. We don't want to over-ethicize, if that's a word, all of our prayer. Uh, we don't want to leave prayer with like 20 new resolutions. I'm never going to have a chocolate bar. I'm never going to have popcorn again. It's better to be specific in your resolutions. And yeah, I don't mean to mock fasting because fasting and giving up food could very well be part of your resolutions, but you don't want to leave prayer with 20 resolutions. Now we look at the cataphatic way of prayer. That is knowledge of God obtained through affirmation. This is the way of using our imagination according to St. Teresa of Avila and St. Ignatius of Loyola. What you're going to notice in this way of prayer is that we're very heavy on memory and consideration as well as setting up the five senses in our imagination. Let's look at the four steps. Step number one is selection of material and preparation of meditation. I'm going to be doing that for you on this series as we just go through Matthew's Gospel first and then Mark and then Luke and then John. Number two is consideration. The questions to ask is, who is here in this scene? What is he doing? Why is he doing it? What does it mean to me? Number three, conversation with Christ. The old school Carmelite Father Peter summarizes the words of St. Teresa of Avila in his own, quote, The soul begins to talk slowly to Christ, telling him of its love for him, its desire to serve him, its willingness to do anything for him. He adores Christ in the scene of the day's meditation. He expresses his love for him, thanks him for past gifts, petitions him, for new favors in the future, end quote. And if there's any Latin mass Catholics joining me, notice this was written by a priest long before Vatican II. So this whole idea of talking to Jesus in prayer is in the saints. In fact, Teresa of Avila says in this section, quote, you can place yourself in the physical presence of Christ, talk with him, laugh with him, and confide in him. Instead of using formal prayers, extemporaneously express your interests. This will result in rapid progress, end quote. And then finally, step number four of four in the imaginative way is gratitude or resolution. Okay, so there we have the two ways of prayer. One is the way of study, and one is the way of imagination. The way of study in the past I have called the way of St. Bruno, the apophatic way. The way of imagination I have called the method of St. Teresa of Avila, the method of St. Ignatius of Loyola. 
the method of the five senses, but ultimately I'm just going to use those two terms from now on, the study way of prayer and the imaginative way of prayer. And you know there's many saints on both sides of this field, so don't feel bad if you get a lot out of one method and don't get a lot out of the other method. That just means your brain is wired in one way or your heart is wired in one way. And again, many saints were wired to do the study way of prayer where they don't use their imagination and they just hone in on a couple words in a real deep way of sobriety. And then other saints really like to picture, you know, getting out of the boat as if they were Peter with the water of the Sea of Galilee splashing on their face. What does Jesus' hand feel like in yours as you fall into the water and grab his hand? What do his eyes look like? Both of these are excellent methods of prayer. I believe the study way of prayer is called Lexio Divina, hence the name of this video series, VLX Video Lexio Divina. And then the method of Ignatius of Loyola and Teresa of Avila, I believe that's often called mental prayer, or St. Teresa of Avila call it oración in her Spanish accent. Okay, last thing I just want to wrap up with today is in the study section, you're going to notice that I quote Father Cornelius Lapide a lot. His book is right here. There's a four-part series. It's very cheap on Kindle, quite expensive on Loretto Press, but worth every cent of it. So I highly recommend these uh, very excellent hardbacks Loretto Press came up with if you got 200 bucks, or you can just do this series. But anyway... Father Cornelius Lapide was a Flemish Catholic born about 10 years after the death of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the congregation he would later join, namely the Jesuits. Father Lapide became the Jesuits' greatest scripture scholar, possibly the greatest scripture scholar in all of the Catholic Church since the early church fathers. Okay, so why do I think it's so important to quote Father Lapide all the time? I think it's so important to quote Father Lapide all the time because he quotes the church fathers. Why are the church fathers so important? It's because they got their doctrine directly from the apostles. And who did the apostles get their doctrine from? They got it directly from Jesus Christ. Now, I'm really happy to hear there's non-Catholic Christians following this series out here. But if you were to say, well, why would it even be important what the fathers or the apostles taught? Listen to 2 Thessalonians 2.15. Quote, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter, end quote. So many of the Protestants out there or megachurch people or evangelicals who are watching this series, I'm really glad you're watching this, but do realize it's the inerrant word of God, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, that just said, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So we all have in common that we believe this letter, 2 Thessalonians, is absolutely inerrant, but what did Paul mean by our spoken word? Our spoken word was handing over the deposit of the faith of things not in the Bible. Doesn't mean we're like Mormons who added things. Everything gels perfectly with the Bible, either by our spoken word or our letter. So spoken word is divine revelation, the deposit of faith that was given to the apostles. Nothing contrary to scripture. It's just the greatest interpretation of scripture. And this was handed to the fathers. And this is what Father Lapide conglomerates. So, Whereas St. Thomas Aquinas usually conglomerates a patristic commentary, patristic is just the adjective for church fathers or desert fathers, whereas St. Thomas Aquinas usually conglomerates a patristic study on scripture based on doctrinal topics, that is topic by topic, Father Lapide conglomerated church fathers on scripture in a method that went chapter by chapter and verse by verse. So I can give you, as we go through this VLX series, what the church fathers got from the apostles who most likely got it directly from Jesus Christ. Okay, back to Father Lapide. As Loretto Press writes, quote, 
Father Lapide wrote scripture commentaries so complete and scholarly that it was practically the universal commentary in use by Catholics, often available only in Latin, for hundreds of years. So what you're getting is the Church Fathers' commentary on the Bible based on what the Apostles told them, most likely based on what Jesus told them as his own interpretation of the Bible. And so what this means is this is probably the only Bible study on YouTube where you get the constant commentary of those closest to the Apostles and Evangelists in both the successive lines of the deposit of the faith and that they're close to them in time and they're even close to them as far as geography. In any case, people sometimes leave comments they can't understand when I say Lapide. It's L-A-P-I-D-E. And it is the gospel commentaries of Father Cornelius Lapide they quote in almost every section, especially in the study section. Now, Father Lapide is my go-to in the study-based prayer. And the only place where I get creative for you is helping guide you in the imaginative way of prayer where you yourself are permitted to get creative since you're not getting creative in theology. I think in times of church crisis, we don't really need any more creative theologians because that usually makes heretics in these times of church crisis. However, in the imaginative way of prayer, we are allowed to get creative, and here's why. I was reading a book not too long ago about a intersection in Philadelphia, two very busy streets, there was a kid's playground, either on a park or on a school grounds there, but it was unfortunately very close to these two streets. So kids didn't really want to play on it. But when they put up big fences around these streets, rather around this playground, all the kids flocked to it and could play. Why could they play? Because once they had parameters away from the dangers, they could actually be more childlike. That's the great advantage of having some doctrine guiding us into prayer. I think there's a lot of Catholics that think of mental prayer and the excitement of walking with Jesus as a different realm than doctrine, but doctrine safeguards the mystical prayer of the church. And just like this, um, the fences that go around the playground, St. Teresa of Avila said to her nuns at one point, your entire interior life is like a paradise or a playground. I can't remember her exact words. She said, it's like a paradise. Go have fun. And that is why we do this study-based prayer peppered in with the imaginative way of prayer to serve as good parameters within which you can play, so to speak. So your soul is not infinitely deep, but it is much deeper than you realize. It is a paradise if you're in sanctifying grace. And as St. Teresa of Abel, I think, would say to you, as long as you have the doctrine down, go have fun.